everybody. This is the Georgia Songbird, and we're here with Mr. Jacob Rice, uh, singer-songwriter up in Tennessee right now, right, Jacob? Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville. I've been there a couple times. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, my name is uh, Jacob Rice. I'm a singer-songwriter uh, artist up here in Nashville. Uh, I'm originally from Vermont, um, and I play country music. Now, what brought you from Vermont to Tennessee? That's a, a hike. Yeah, so it's actually kind of a crazy story and a long story, but uh, I'll give you the condensed version of it. Uh, so I grew up in Vermont. Um, actually, was born on Long Island in New York. Um, moved to Vermont when I was two. My parents moved me, obviously. Right. Um, I moved to Los Angeles when I was 18 um, on my own. My brothers were living there at the time. Um, I was in a band uh, and... I met a producer uh, when I was 23, I think. Um, and uh, he is a drummer out here in Nashville, a studio drummer. Uh, his name's Chad Cromwell. He played for Neil Young and for a bunch of other um, classic rock acts and then kind of got into the recording world here. Um, we kind of did a like uh, a solo artist EP. Um, and uh, that was in like 2019. And uh, then, so he kind of introduced me to Nashville, brought me out here for a writing trip. And uh, that's kind of how it all started for me. Okay. Uh, how long have you been playing music then? Sounds like a while. I've been, yeah, I've been playing music my whole life. Uh, my parents both love music. Uh, and uh, I think um, it's always been on in the house. Um, so I would say probably around, you know, six, seven. You've been playing music since you were little. How many instruments can you play? Um, you know, define play. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The way that I'll define it, how I play, because I can play guitar and bass and I write with my band. Uh, I'm not allowed on the drums. I can play the drums, but I can't play the drums. Yeah, I, I understand. I'm, I'm the same way with the drums. Uh, I think living in Nashville with the musicianship being so high, like I, I'm a pretty good bass player. Um, that's where I started um, coming from a family of music. Uh, I was the youngest, so I had to be the bass player. Um, and uh, I was pretty good, but now being in Nashville, it's like a whole nother ball game. So I really just consider myself a singer. Okay. Um, I can play, I can write songs with a guitar, but I can't play like these guys. Yeah, there's tons of musicians. If you want to feel bad about yourself as a musician, people go to Nashville and watch them play. Yeah. Oh, that I remember going to town. It was, me and my uh, bassist went up there for some songwriting thing, and we were killing time and i don't think it's there anymore i think somebody said it's gone but they had like the bb king bar the blues bar yeah and uh, we went in there and there was like a 12-piece band and they're playing saxophone and i mean he plays sax too but we're sitting listening to it and it's like man i just i wish we could jam with these people but i know if i got on stage with them i i, I wouldn't even want to play because they're just that good yeah yeah i'm not allowed i'm pretty much my producer is like i uh he hires some great guys to play on my records and uh you know writing the songs is really what's important to me but after hearing them play and being in a studio with guys like you know rob mcneely and david dorn i'm like uh yeah i'm just i'm good just singing <laughs> so, you remember the the first song that you ever heard on the radio the first song i ever heard on the radio no but i remember the first song that i really fell in love with if that helps sure um my mom had um so being from new york my mom is really into like the golden oldies and like classic um soundtrack so like uh, the graduate soundtrack and not the simon and garfunkel one but the regular like um i think the movie one maybe is that the um, one matthew broderick was he in the graduate <laughs> i i'm not sure okay uh i would think i was too young to watch it <laughs> at that point. but uh um, there was a song, You Make Me So Very Happy by the Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Uh, that was like, uh, I think that's that's the band. I loved that song when I was a kid. It was like just the way that the guy had so much swagger. You, know, you make me so very happy. I was like, man, this guy knows what he's doing. <laughs> uh, I remember the first the first song I ever heard on the radio. I've said this on a podcast before, but uh, you haven't heard it. Uh, as the Eagles, I heartache tonight. That was the first song I remember hearing. And I was like, Oh, that, and that just made me fall in love with music. And I, I love the Eagles is like my big, my big kind of band that I love. And, and I was reading some of your bio 
you got like a lot of different influences in your style, right? Oh yeah. Well, you know, I think what makes me a little bit different um, than a lot of the people out here in Nashville is I didn't grow up listening to country music. Um, I grew up around like CCR and, you know, Crosby, Stills, Nash, Young, the Eagles, like, like bands like that. Um, which is like, I always call like country adjacent, like rock music, right? It's like, right, like smack in the middle of country and rock. Um, and the first song that really changed that for me when I started dating my now wife, like eight years ago, I would go over for dinner. She's from South Florida, but she loves country music. They have like this big chili cook-off every year down in Davie, Florida. And she used to go and see like Keith Urban and all these people when she was, you know, young. She used to play country music while I, when I would come over for dinner for, you know, dates and stuff. And uh, I was really homesick living in LA. I did not like living there. It didn't feel right to me in any way, but I was like going out there to try to chase some music, you know, and all that. And um, Red Dirt Road by Brooks and Dunn. I'll never forget hearing that song and being like, this is like exactly how I grew up uh, in the small town Vermont. So that's the song that really changed everything for me and like brought me into country music. And that's a good song. That's, that's, that's what I love about music in general, but country music is it's stories. You know, that's, that's kind of how it's always been. And I know now people get on it about how it's more production stuff, but forget all the production, forget all the music stuff. The idea of country has always been the story. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever, if you watch any comedian stuff, like uh, Gabriel Iglesias is one of my favorite comedians. I love him. He's so hilarious. He's so funny. My son's watched him so many times. I think we're going to watch him when he comes to Atlanta. Uh, but he was yeah. saying that he was, uh, he didn't get into country music until he thought it was like the same thing my mom did, you know, crying in your beer, it's trucks, it's dogs. It's, it's, it's not to listen to. And then he said he was listening to, I don't remember which artist he said it was, but he was at a gas station and it came on and he said that song was his life and it just broke him down. And he said, Oh my God. He, so he started digging into it and found yeah. an appreciation for country music. Yeah, no, that's exactly how it was for me. And with Brooks and Dunn, like I, I used to go to church every Sunday, like at a little red brick church in Vermont. And like, there was like a little, like, a uh, little farm next door and the whole thing. And I'm just like listening to the story and the song. I was just like, I grew up on a dirt road. Like it wasn't a red dirt road, but it was a dirt road, you know? <laughs> and uh, that really was just like, man, like I, I think that and being so homesick living in such a big city was like um, really like just speaking to my soul. Well, that's, that's really cool. I, and that's why I, was, I said, this is always conversation stuff because we want to get to know about Jacob, right? And all mm-hmm. this is, is pre-recorded, So I'll let you know before it goes out. Uh, but yeah. it's when I talk to people, everybody has a story. And as a songwriter myself, I love stories. And that's why I always ask these questions because yeah, we, we know we got, I listened to some of your music before and it's really good and we're going to get into it. Uh, but we want to know about Jacob, how he got started, like, like looking through all that, I didn't see Vermont. What I found was uh, some of your songwriter credits that you got, like for uh, your songwriter, Key West Songwriter Festival you went into and uh, your uh, artist to watch and all that stuff. So how you've been in Nashville for how long? I've been in Nashville for three years. Three years. Uh, okay. Full time. I know everybody's timing and story is different, but tell everybody how your progress came from when you first came to Nashville to, to where you are now. So it's amazing. I mean, I moved to Nashville in August of 2020. So kind of to like circle back um, when I moved. So when I was working with that producer who was bringing me back and forth to Nashville, we actually had like some major label interest. Um, but we were kind of doing music that wasn't necessarily me. It was more like it was kind of more uh, dark and deep and like songwriter stuff. Um, and then like the meetings that I had were scheduled for like the first week of April, 2020 and everything just shut down. Right. Uh, COVID hit and like kind of changed the whole world. Uh, and my producer was kind of the one that's like, listen, if you want to do country music, you got to move to Nashville. So, um, he hooked me up with a place to stay. I moved to Nashville before my wife even could follow me. She came two months later, moving to Nashville in August of 2020 might've been one of the most like bold and, crazy decisions I've ever made, we've ever made, you know, 
And it was so weird because the whole town was still shut down. But like a lot of Nashville was still operating. Like there was a lot of underground like songwriter things going on, like a lot of like underground artists and stuff like that. Like the city was still moving, especially compared to where I came from in Los Angeles, which was like completely shut down. So to see like my own progress and the progress of like Nashville coming back to life has been this really interesting thing for me because it's actually just recently, I'd say like mid 2023, gone back to like full power of what it was before um, COVID. And uh, I think like just being able to um, work with a lot of different people because of everything being like, you know, harder and like over Zoom and things like it was kind of easier to get through to people because you were just on the internet. So it's like, hey, you want to write and learning from some great writers. Um, and um, yeah, just like every year has been a, a step forward, which has been good. So where do you see yourself like in five years? Where would you like to be? Well, I'd like to be uh, hopefully on tour. Uh, I definitely am an artist before I'm a songwriter. Um, I love writing songs, but my passion has always been to be on the stage. Um, so hopefully in five years, um, I'll have some sort of, uh, tour route that I'm on, uh, with some other band in some capacity. That's, that, that's probably what I'd be wishing for. Okay. Now are you getting to play out live anywhere now? Are you doing like the rounds or are you getting to play some, some shows? Yeah. Um, so I've got some really cool stuff coming up that I can't talk about, but if you follow me on my socials, you could find it. Uh, I'll be announcing it soon, um, depending on when this comes out. But uh, I do a lot of writers rounds in town, uh, play listening room in Nashville about once a month. And I work with the Bluebird pretty often um, doing shows, um, doing my first showcase at the Bluebird, which is exciting. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you kind of a full band for a whole hour, um, which will be really fun. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, I, I get out as much as I can, but it is kind of one of those businesses where uh, you got to be out with the right people uh, and, you know, the right kind of atmosphere to, you know, get the shows that you need. Uh, Cause I don't have that kind of a following yet. <laughs> yeah. Now I remember you mentioned the bluebird. I've said this before, cause I've, I've got to play the blue bluebird one time. And I remember, and I remember because it's iconic anyway, right? You, you see the show, people, if you watch the show, Nashville, it's, it's, it's not what it looks like. I went before Nashville, the show Nashville, and I'm sitting there and I drove past it. I know several times because it's right in that little shopping center by the cleaners and stuff. And I literally called from the sign right in the front looking for it. I'm like, where are you guys at? And they said, what shopping center? I don't remember the name of what it's called now, but I looked, I was like, I'll be damned. It's right there in front of me. Yeah. I don't know if you've been back recently, uh, but they have pretty much knocked down that whole shopping center now. They're putting a big condo. Like the Bluebird is like one of the only things left. Really? Yeah, condo bottle of the land. It's the things that Nashville, the city, is allowing to do is just unbelievable to some of these historic places. Um, so hopefully, you know, if you are a country music fan out there, keep the Bluebird in your thoughts. <laughs> Because it is uh, everything's building up around it, uh, and it is uh, definitely uh, getting harder for them there. See, and that's that's a shame because the Bluebird is one of those places that is so iconic. And I know it. And looking at it, it is a little hole in the wall kind of place, but that's kind of the charm of it, right? Yeah. Because you're everybody's cutting their teeth on there, and it, that makes me sad to hear that they're they're building condos and they're and they're trying to push them out. Because I mean, Bluebird will no matter where they go, they're always going to be the bluebird, but it's still the yeah. history of it. It's sad that they're doing that. I don't, I don't like that. Yeah. And that building is just, yeah, you're right. It is really cool. Like uh, my parents are flying out uh, for my showcase there um, and they've never been before. Uh, my in-laws got to see me perform there last year and I cannot wait for my parents to go there and be like, this is this room like it's so small <laughs> people really i don't think people really get it until they go how it's the size of the average american living room probably yep you it's know? like a house show with with the uh, in the middle of a shopping center or was shopping center yeah yeah well let's hear one of your songs jacob what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna share the screen so you can see uh, i pulled up your spotify stuff you just tell me which song you want to hear first and like as a songwriter i like to hear the story so you got to tell me stories Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, why don't you play Float Your Boat first? That's kind of become my staple song. 
floats your boat. Okay. And uh, what's the story behind floats your boat? So it's kind of cool. This is the one song I didn't write that I've recorded. Uh, uh, it was written by Aaron Rattier, Benji Davis, and my friend, Mary Sarah. Um, and when we were finishing my debut EP, which uh, this is one of the songs off that uh, EP called Whatever Floats Your Boat, um, we were looking for the final song because we had four songs we're really excited about and happy with. Um, but we kind of needed something to like really make the Jacob Rice name. Like what, what is, what am I as an artist? Who am I? Like, and that was just a, a, a couple months of like self-discovery because I had always been writing and I was like, okay, I'm really going to chase the like artist thing now. Um, and my friend, Mary Sarah played this song right next to me in a writer's round in Franklin, Tennessee. And um, my producer was also in the round. who's one of my best friends. And, uh, we looked at each other and we were like, we need to record this song. Like, this is it. Uh, and they gave me their blessing. So we uh, cut it uh, and uh, put it out. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't see many songwriters not giving a blessing. That's kind of what you look for is a young up and coming artist to jump on. Like, Ooh, you take my song. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> All right. I'm going to mute us and play float your boat. So just give me a thumbs up when you hear it. It could be a sailboat out on the ocean, a cabin out in the woods, driving with the windows down around some small town neighborhood. It could be a red dress on a day that you're never gonna wear again, a cold beer sitting on a lake pier, chilling for the weekend with a couple friends. Whatever floats your boat, gets you high, lights your fuse, and makes you smile. kind of stuff it's just that's laid back yacht club kind of stuff to the redneck yacht clubs that i like yeah you know uh part of um i was i was thinking about two things when i was listening to that song because uh you know usually i don't listen to my own music i'm always playing it so two things really stuck out to me one the whole brand that's come together and like uh we're on zoom right now uh doing this interview so you can see but uh I know we'll be in a visual or an audio medium here, but uh, it's it's fun shirts, it's mustache, it's like it's good times. That's the whole brand, you know. And I feel like that song really does. Uh, it, it just uh, they did such a great job writing it. And the second thing was that song to me is also 
so cool because it is just like, hey, whoever you are, whatever you want to do with your life, like whatever floats your boat is fine with me. Like, you know, I it, it's it's to me about like just being a cool person and just being like, yeah, whatever. You know, we're all a little different and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if people kind of, you know, uh, could have a little more grace towards each other, maybe the world would be a little bit better of a place. Yeah. And I always ask that question when I see the artists listen to themselves. Do you like listening to yourself? Well, you know, it's weird, funny. Right? There's a joke. What was that? <laughs> it's a little weird, right? There's a joke in Nashville, which is a songwriter's favorite song is the last one that he wrote or she wrote. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like we'll write a song day of and listen to it 10 times. And then we'll write a song the next day. And the song we wrote yesterday, we're like, you know, never listen to it again. <laughs> uh, unless it's like one of those really special songs. Uh, but we're writing so many all year that it's a, you know, they really got to stick out for us to keep them. That's true. And and that's some good advice for songwriters that are listening is you, it's hard to say something new. You just got to find a new way to say it. Uh, something that kind of sticks out. That's different. Float your boat is an old saying. And what I find it's very cool. I was, I was reading an article about these uh, like millennials and Gen Z's and stuff that, that are trying to learn. They called it uh, office jargon, but it's not jargon. It's just sayings that like float your boat. Uh, I did it. <laughs> I sent one of my songs in one time and there's a saying in there because they're dancing. It's like they're floating on air. And yeah. I swear this, this girl, she had to be in her early twenties. Right. Cause she's like yeah. one of the people that are listening to the publishers and she goes, how do they float on air? They can't float on air. And I'm just <laughs> like, okay, I can see my, <laughs> my, 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 my conversation with you is wasted. Thank you for your time. <laughs> that is hysterical. Yeah. You know, uh, I do attribute my dad always wanted to be a songwriter, um, which is really cool because like uh, I always love to call him and fill him in on my stories. And he was able to come to like a lot of like I was uh, honored to be asked to play at the Bluebirds 40th birthday um, last year in Nashville uh, with the Shane McAnally and Josh Osborne were like the top dogs. And I got to play like one or two songs <laughs> in the beginning of the night. Uh, and my dad got to be there and like kind of like for him, he um shows like raising a family and like uh, being a carpenter, which is his other love uh, besides music. Um, and like, so it's really cool for us to share that. But my dad had always told me when we, he was first teaching me what he knew about writing songs uh, when I was little, that um, it's simple, like people are simple. And I think with sayings and with things that people can relate to, like here's a, a great thing for songwriters out there. Like usually the songs to me that are like so heady or so like, over the top when it comes to like metaphors and things like that, especially country music. That's not really what like works. Like people just want something they can relate to. That's like, just, you know, Hey, this guy understands a day in my life, you know? Yeah. And that, that is really good advice because it's, it's, it's such, there's different styles. I think the the more metaphors, poetic stuff works more with rock because rock Mm -hmm. music is, is more focused on the sound and telling the story, but it's, but they don't care about the the way it wor- it's worded. Country music is, you're right, it's a little different. It's it's something that's got to be simple and relatable. And like, I mean, I know if you've, you've heard this, you've been in Nashville for what, three years, you said since 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can't connect with everybody, you're, mm-hmm. you're missing out. So kind of make it generic, but I, float your boat to me. I really like that. I'm, I'm, I'm just remember listening to it. It made me think, of my um my great aunt's uh what you call it she had a houseboat and we would go that's where i learned to play guitar my grandfather my papa taught me the gcd but yeah <laughs> I, I would go and i would listen to them play and they would get drunk and play mm-hmm. and had a huge party i mean these are this they were in their probably 50s at the time now you know, they're all past and gone now, but they did that all the way till they were, till they were dead. They, they just continued to drink. And my aunt Hazel would go to the honky tonks and dance until she couldn't, couldn't remember who she was anymore. That is the life, man. I mean, what more could you ask for? (laughs) I wish I could party with them. (laughs) (laughs) That's the stuff I grew up on. And that's where kind of influences stuff in my music. So I like your stories. And like I said, I want to hear more about it. So let's, let's do another one of your songs. Which one do you want to do next? Sure. Um, you know, let's go a little bit deeper. I'll, I'll give you something kind of um, with a little more meaning. Um, there's a song, Hurt People, that's on my new EP, uh, okay. Open Tabs and Empty Bars. Okay. 
Um, and Hurt People is really special to me because it's it's a song about relationships. And a lot of times people, when they break up, every, all hell breaks loose, right? And sometimes that's what's supposed to happen. You know, like sometimes the relationship is really bad. But I think um, something my wife would always kind of make fun of me about in like a in a nice way is uh, that a lot of my ex-girlfriends are still friends with me on Facebook and, and things like that. And, you know, like 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 my stuff or whatever. And um, I'm like, well, yeah, because like just because we broke up doesn't mean that it has to be like warfare, you know, like you get over it. It's it's pretty weird in the beginning. But I think if people realize that, like, hey, we're all trying to find somebody and, you know, it just wasn't meant to be, maybe uh, things would be easier. So um, I wrote Hurt People with uh, Justin Klump, who's a really good friend of mine. He wrote Picture This, which was the single off the CP with me. And uh, our good friend, Jeff Middleton, who wrote um, Drowns the Whiskey for Jason Aldean. Um, and uh, I'm along with a bunch of other songs. He's amazing. Yeah, I know Drowns the Whiskey. That's one of my favorite songs, too. I love this. All right. So I'm going to mute us and play Hurt People. When I first saw that, I thought of Johnny Cash. I'm like, okay, let me see if this Johnny Cash sound. <laughs> it's like the nice version of Johnny Cash's song. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Just give me a thumbs up when you hear it, Jacob. Yep. I've drank on a bar stool. Cried on a couch Felt like a damn fool Figuring out Why we weren't working But the cold are true Is there's no one to blame Was it me, was it you? I'll go work on myself for a little while You go and find the pretty smile Maybe one day fate will bring you my way Maybe we're just lessons learned We were over before it started We were broken before broken hearted Love doesn't have a chance until you understand Hurt people, hurt people I've heard people say Find love in the stars You do things our way It gets lost in the scars We both said some harsh words It took time to see Yours were more about you Mine were more about me I'll go work on myself for a little while You go and find the pretty smile one day fate will bring you my way Maybe with just lessons learned We were over before it started We were broken before broken hearted Love doesn't have a chance until you understand Another good song, Jacob, and you got a very radio-friendly voice. Thank you. Uh, I've always loved pop music. Uh, I've always been a fan. My favorite Beatle was Paul McCartney. My mom had all the records. Mm -hmm. um, so I've just always been a fan of really 
like earworm melodies uh and just like you know uh all that kind of stuff you had a couple in there a friend of mine yeah yeah the nanas gotta get the nanas yeah a friend of mine that i write with he's in nashville he uh keith burns he write he uh has a band trick pony me and him wrote a couple songs and uh one of our songs he wrote, he put the nanas in there. You gotta have the nanas, Jesse, in the song. <laughs> so people, could, if they don't know any other word, they know the not. They can sing the nanas. <laughs> yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Good move. <laughs> I liked, I liked the couple lines you had. I liked the broken before broken hearted. I love the way you said that. And then the hurt people, hurt people. You, you said it. There's a country thing they do. It kind of flips it, but I like, I like that. That was really cool. Thanks. Yeah, well, that one I'm really proud of lyrically. Um, it was that's actually the first song that Jeff, Justin, and I wrote together. Uh, we have a little writing group now, and um, yeah, it's like the first time we got together, we kind of just put that loop down in the studio and just were like playing it over and over again. And uh, the vibe and the whole song just kind of really came together. Um, that song has kind of become a little funny for me because uh, I play a lot of songwriter rounds, as you know, so usually it's just acoustic guitar and me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've started to get this reputation around town of being like the Jack Johnson of country music, uh, because of the kind of reggae kind of <laughs> vibe, <laughs> you know? See, you mentioned something that was really cool. You said you had a writing group now to me, cause you're more of the artist. Like you said earlier, you're kind of the artist. So anybody that's listening, this is kind of probably, especially if you're a songwriter, this is a good thing to learn. Now, songwriters kind of when you get out and you play, that's how you meet other songwriters, you network, you stay, you listen, you, you talk to other people. Now, as a songwriter and artist yourself, do you ever go looking for songs or if somebody wants to send you songs, uh, do you accept them? Do you, do you talk with them? Do you want to meet them first? Uh, kind of tell people that aspect of it. Oh yeah. 100%. Um, I think like understanding, I'll give you like the artist side and then I'll give you the songwriter side. I think as an artist, like understanding who you are is the number one most important thing and sticking to that. Um, I got some great advice uh, from a guy named Paul Worley who produced many people like the Dixie Chicks and uh, Lady Annabellum and um, Martina McBride. Uh, And I'll never forget it because I didn't really spend a lot of time with him, but uh, he had said, keep your artistry narrow and your songwriting broad. I like that. Yeah. Um, so know who you are as an artist. So when you are looking for songs, like when I'm looking for songs, I know I'm not probably going to be picking ballads. You know, it's going to be pretty hard. Everything's got to kind of have a feel good. It's got to put a smile on your face in a, mm-hmm. in a sort of a way that helps me determine like whether, uh, I'm going to choose a song or not. And most of the time in living in Nashville, it's like, I'll go see people perform all over the place. Uh, there's always music going on, original live music. Um, and I'll just kind of pick songs out that I'm like, I could record that. Uh, you talk to the people. You also have to be like right ready to go in the studio because usually it's like you get the song and then you like kind of it kind of takes on a life of its own as you're on that ride. And the songwriting part of it is really funny. Now, this is some deep knowledge, I feel like. But in 2023, you have to be writing with the artist about 90 percent of the time to get that cut. Uh, most of the big artists in Nashville are going to be taking outside cuts, but they're going to be taking cuts from like publishers, you know, right. Universal, Sony, all those people. Um, but if you have like a good friend of mine, uh, Trainee Anderson, she has about seven songs on Laney Wilson's album, Bell Bottom Country. And it's because they're really good friends and they've been friends for the past, you know, five, seven years, whatever. I don't, I don't really know. But um, so they've been friends. And as Laney has come up, she's brought those friends with her. Um, so I think if, if you're like out there, you're listening, um, you're serious about songwriting. I think coming to Nashville, living in Nashville is a really good way to, um, make that happen. And if you're not, and if, you know, that's just out of the question for you, um, going on TikTok and finding artists that are blowing up, um, maybe they're artists who have 20,000 followers, maybe they're artists who have 300,000 followers. Um, but just trying to connect and be like, Hey, you know, I write songs, let's write a song over zoom. Um, that's the way to get it done. Yep. See, and that's what I tell everybody that ever comes on the show. I love songwriting. I love co-writing. And that's kind of a thing here in Georgia that that they have some people will have harder times doing because they want to play their own stuff. And I tell everybody, and I tell you too, I'm always up for co-writing. If you ever want to write, if you want to try, great. I'll be more than happy. And I know that co-writing doesn't always work. And that's fine. 
that's, you know, it's, it's like a date. Try it out. Doesn't work. Great. Yeah. Go your separate ways. You know, you don't want to hurt people to hurt people. Like you said earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Unless yeah. you're my ex-wife and then that's a whole different story. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of a funny situation. I actually was at, um, I played Key West Songwriters Festival, as you had said, um, and I got the opportunity to play with an artist who I'm a big fan of now, uh, Drew Baldridge. Uh, it was me, him, and Stephen Barker Lyles from Love and Theft. Okay. And me and uh, Drew, and me and Stephen both really hit it off, but Drew and I got together and wrote the other day. And it was so funny because you're like, it is kind of like, like, yeah, it's like speed dating in a way. You like meet somebody, you write a song, you see how it goes. And Drew is like country to the bone. Like he is like really like Eric Church, like Luke Bryan, like that's his vibe, right? Where me, I'm like more on the pop side. So I was like, I, I don't know how this is going to go, but let's just see what happens, right? And uh, so we met at Sony uh, and uh, we got together and we wrote and it was like, uh, we just wrote an incredible song. And I think you're right. It's like, sometimes you just don't know. We wrote probably one of the best songs I've ever been a part of. And it was just the two of us. And um I think it was one of those things where you go in sometimes you're like what am i doing like how how is this going to work and then it just does you know you just don't know right and that's and that's again networking and talking to people and i've said this multiple times on the show anytime you guys are going to songwriter rounds you have got to talk you can't just play it go play and go that drives me crazy because one is it's, it's disrespectful to me i mean i get it if you got other things to do that's fine that's understandable like when I come to Nashville, I'm three hours away, but I stay and then I drive home and I get home about one or two o'clock in the morning, but I try to stay as long as I can. Otherwise you don't meet these people and you don't get to talk to these people. And that's a big part of, of networking and songwriting. Oh yeah. 100%. Absolutely. Um, I think networking is really, really important. Um, there's this great, uh, guitar player and now producer out here, Derek Wells. Um, and I saw a like a Instagram reel of him talking uh, the other day where he was just like, somebody's like, what is the key to finding success in Nashville? And he was like, not being afraid to talk to people. You know, like so many people are nervous. I have so many friends who are like, Jacob, how do you just go up to someone and start talking to them? It's like, <laughs> because you think it's weirder than they do. <laughs> you know, they're probably just like, oh, this person wants to talk to me. That's cool. Yep. You know? It's funny. I took my wife to, we were in Nashville. She came with me and I was actually up there to see Keith. And then we were mm -hmm. listening to, um, there's a lady named uh, Rachel Turner that was singing and she was sitting and talking to us. And my wife, she was so funny. She, the way she meets people is, is beyond me. Cause I'm, when I was born, uh, when I was earlier as a kid, I had a speech impediment. So to, for me to get over that, I started playing music and I started doing podcasts and that way I'm forced myself in front of people to, to get yeah. over that. But she, she sat down with this lady. She never knew and started grabbing the lady by the hand and she told her the story and she was tracing her fingers. And then she goes at, at the whole, she goes, well, the whole point of the story is that it's just nice to hold your hand. And I'm like, Oh my God, I just started laughing, <laughs> but it was so funny. I, it was just, just, just comical to me. Uh, I'm just, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it is uh, it's a big town with a lot of different people. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. You had mentioned something, and I think I read it too. Um, like in Sony, like you're, you're part of BMI, right? Is that what I read? Mm -hmm. Being part yep. of it. Uh, tell everybody, like, in because that's always a good question that really it's hard to answer. I think, but like, you're a member of BMI. You got to play, but do you get to go to the actual place and co-write? Are you part of a, a publisher? How did, how did you go about your business on that side? Uh, BMI is funny. Um, I would say that they are one, they are amazing. The, the staff that they have for country is great. Um, my rep is Marianne. She's amazing. Um, she's the one, you know, who does it. It's, it's like one of those things where they're so many people trying to get in the door to get a, to get represented or things like that. Like, it's kind of one of those things you have to be here and you have to meet them. Like, you know, I, I wouldn't, I don't want to lie to anybody like, uh, and, and give them any sort of false hope. Like I think BMI is one of those things where if you know somebody, it helps and it goes a long way. Um, so, you know, it's also just like being in Nashville and playing, even if you come from out of town and you just play a couple shows here, you never know who's going to see you. Right. And that's, what's kind of cool about it. 
That is very cool about that town. That because yeah. <laughs> I, I remember my see my BMI. And the reason I asked my I'm a BMI too, but my BMI here in, in Georgia, and like when I signed up, I guess it was like right after COVID and so too. But they didn't open up the office again. They did everything remote, mm-hmm. so you couldn't actually go in and. And I'm I'm old school in that part because I want to actually physically talk to somebody. Yeah, yeah, it's it's easier for me if I'm talking to them and they're showing me than try to tell me how to do it and leave mm-hmm. me to my own devices where I can figure yeah. it out because I'll get I'll get sidetracked and like I'm like squirrel and I'm <laughs> it done. Well, uh, big big uh, recommendation I always give to people is NSAI is great in Nashville. Um, I have a bunch of friends who are members of it. Uh, I'm a member of it. Um, they have a full, they just opened it like this year. They have a full building on music row that has writer's rooms in it. So if you pay your like year membership or whatever, you just book a room and like, it's great because you go there, you see people, you know, like walking around, like for people like me who don't have publishing deals, uh, it's cool because, you know, we're not going to Sony or universal or whatever. Uh, so it's like, you kind of go to this one place where everybody is and like, everybody's in different rooms and you see people in the hallway and, uh, it's, it's a nice, like it makes you feel part of a community and Nashville is a beautiful community. Yep. And uh, I, I, I thought about joining that because they had a couple br- different branches like Chattanooga is a little closer for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like an, literally an hour away Nashville I can do, but cause I own a, a pest control company. So I'm, I'm working. And so the winter time is when it's, it's easy for me to get up there, but yeah. actually Chattanooga is an hour away. So I always thought about like just going through the halls and like, just, Hey, come up you, you, let's go write a song. Let's go sit down. Yeah. And- yeah. yeah. It's great. Well, let's hear one more song of yours, Jake. Which one do you want to do last? Sure. Um, since this is, let's see, let's do um, "How a Man Treats a Lady" is a is a really cool song to me, and I'll I'll give you the backstory on it. This was a solo, right? I wrote this one on my own. Um, and what I think is so funny and cool about the song uh, is every time I play it live ladies love it they always like they're always dancing they're always having a great time and every time i play this song for a publisher they think that the rhyme scheme is too simple so that's what i'll leave all the people <laughs> listening with is that the music business is kind of um bullshit <laughs> so, it's, a, it's a very fickle lady I'm t- <laughs> yeah because <laughs> sometimes what the people love the industry doesn't love and so it's like it's like what are we doing here which is why TikTok is a great thing because sometimes there are songs that the public will love that the industry won't support, but because of TikTok, that song will end up exploding. See, so. and you made a very good point on that. And and people like I know they get burnt out and they get discouraged so easily when they're when they're trying to do this career and they're trying to follow their dreams and it's not happening to where they want it to. Is it's not a lot of time it's not talent. It's not it has nothing to do with talent. There's you gotta have some talent, obviously, to play. But again, it's networking. What do they want? I mean, you just you just said it like the people love it, but the suits don't love it. I'm like, well, yeah. then maybe the suits should listen to the people because the people are yeah. buying the damn music anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Tell me about it. But hey, common sense isn't doesn't go around everywhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to mute us and play how a man treats a lady. making a move but I know that you've been seeing that guy and I promise to treat you better than the way he means to can't blame a man for wanting to try why don't we take a little roll of the dice I guarantee a little you and me would hit just right let me take you downtown all around do a little dancing and maybe Decisions to go and 
push my limits If I don't then I'd be like the endings like that to pop. <laughs> very cool let me stop that so still playing like i'm hearing music uh very no, keith, very keith urban's sounding that was very keith urban you sound a little bit like keith urban on that part it's pretty good <laughs> oh thank you uh, that's a compliment i'll take it <laughs> yeah. see people get upset when you when you compare them i'm like why because i'm listening to your stuff for the first time and it's really yeah. good. I don't know why you haven't been signed anywhere. I mean, the music, the songwriting, everything fits. It's good. You've got a rate, like I said, a radio friendly voice. You're not like me where you're growly and it's like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a niche. You're, you're, you can be played everywhere and it, and they can understand you. I, I don't understand what they were thinking because one, that song is not too simple. It's, yeah. but sometimes, you know, you want simple, but the, the rhythm, the, the melody, the dance, it's a danceable song. Which what is like one fifteen BPMs? I think I was yeah, probably something like that. <laughs> I think one twelve actually. Okay, you're so, pretty on it. So that was I, I got a little tap button over here. Don't don't let it fool you. I got it on my phone <laughs> <laughs> because it, it brings up a point for me that songwriters you got you got to stop writing sad slow songs. Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, don't stop. Obviously, write them because they need them, but don't make everything sl- sad and slow. The people want to hear, they want to be happy. They want to dance. They want to, even if it's, I've seen them do it where take a sad song and put it on a fast beat and it doesn't matter. They're like, oh, it's such a great song. You're dancing, you're grooving. It happens. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I have enjoyed listening to your music, Jacob. It's really good. Thank you very much, man. I'm really honored to be uh, asked to be on here. uh, This is my second podcast I've ever done. So it's awesome. Well, cool. We're not quite done yet. So if anybody, whoever told you where I was at, they did not give you the, uh, we got a little 20 question kind of game I always play. Okay, afterwards. cool. Uh, but before we get into that, tell everybody where they can find you, all your social media, everything you want them to know. Sure. You can find me at Jacob Rice Music on Instagram. Uh, JacobRiceMusic.com is my website. Um, TikTok, Jacob Rice Music. Uh, yeah, go uh, check it out. I've got kind of different things on different platforms. Uh, TikTok, I need the most help on. So uh, come follow me. Yeah, I need that too. I can't figure out TikTok. I'm, I'm old though. I think TikTok is, is one of those things like, it's like, really? I, the, the most the most viewed 
TikTok that I ever made, I guess real, whatever you want to call it, was one of my songs played over fire. And that's it. And I was like, really? And then the second uh, one was, was my cat staring out the window. And I don't know if you remember the old Incredible Hulk show. There's a no. there's, there's a theme to it, like the lonely man. And so I put it there. He's just staring up. That's the other one. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I have a will of death right here. I, I okay. always call it the will of death. It's still my phone. Okay. <laughs> What's your favorite dessert? Um, pie. Really? Just any kind of any kind of pie? Any kind of pie. I would say uh, if you uh, put me to a uh, gun on my head, I'd say chocolate cream pie. Okay. Yeah. See, there is a, a guy. I'm in North Georgia. There's an artist here by the name of Cody Cody Bowden, and he mm-hmm. owns a pie shop. So when he came on the show, he actually brought me a pie. <laughs> and it was like a pecan bourbon pie. I don't know what it was. And I don't yeah, eat. Sounds I don't very eat. Georgian. It, it, was, <laughs> it was apparently really good because my kids and my wife destroyed it. I I, I don't eat pie very often. So they yeah, got all yeah. of it. Pie, better than cake. <laughs> Have you ever been given a nickname? Yeah. Uh, a lot of my friends on uh, Xbox call me Jamie. Jamie? Yeah. Any reason why or just? James. Uh, well, my gamer tag, uh, is James Teriyaki. So <laughs> what, what kind was of games, what kind of games do you play? Uh, I do a lot of, I'm a big, I'm a huge football fan. Uh, mm-hmm. I grew up growing up in Vermont. I'm a huge Patriots fan. Uh, so I, um, I'd play a lot of Madden and like, you know, a couple other games, but mostly Madden. I have to look for you cause I play Madden. Are you on Xbox or PlayStation? Yeah. On Xbox. Okay, I'm on I'm on PlayStation. Oh well, <laughs> I like playing, but I, it got to the point where these kids they beat me with their glitches and these things. I'm like, because I, I played football for years. I'm like, that's not how you play. Oh my god! Yeah. Man. And they're yeah. they're like, my son plays, and he's like, throws it deep on fourth down. The guy catches. I'm like, what in the world is that? That's not that's not feasible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of TikTok, what's the weirdest trend you've ever participated in? weirdest trend i mean i did i wouldn't say it was weird but i did the ice bucket challenge when everybody's doing that um trend i mean i was really into like the the pop punk scene when i was a kid so like i was like wearing all the crazy pants and like all the like fun like you know had my hair all straight you know like that kind of stuff but everybody's mm-hmm. doing that at my age <laughs> that was my age you know and so now you went to the to the mustache and the funny yep. shirts and you guys yep. can't, you can't see his shirt but i think a beetlejuice looking at him with his shirt on. <laughs> yeah his mustache yeah. like i'm like country music artist or funkle it's like <laughs> i'm a toss-up well, you guys can't see this because he's got. We're, I would love to do video, but because where I'm at out here in North Georgia, my internet is crap. When I say crap, yeah. it is it is horrible. But I noticed you got a Midland uh, uh, vinyl behind you, right? Yep. I love Midland. I love that Texas swing kind of music. One of my favorites. Yeah, I got Midland. I got Casey Musgraves. Usually, I had a I had the Taylor Swift record uh, in the front, but I had recently changed that. <laughs> I would not have judged you. <laughs> Hey man, I love all music. You have know. you have to as a songwriter, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I did listen to her Midnight's album, and I'm like, I didn't get it. I was like, to, the image that I got listening to it was teenage girls crying in her pillow. <laughs> That's the whole thing. You no, know, Aaron, Aaron Dresner uh, produces her. We we recently saw Ed Sheeran in in Atlanta, and um, at the Tabernacle, and. Okay. Um, Ed Sheeran was telling the story about how he like this was the first time Aaron Dresner produced him. And I think he's done the last couple Taylor Swift records, but it's very strange. He sends like folders of completely finished tracks with no vocals. And then like Taylor or Ed, whoever he sends them to, they just write over the finished track. Which is very bizarre to me, which is why I think Midnight sounds so flat. Everything's just like the same. It's like very like lo-fi kind of like and i don't know what the kids are into i'm you know i just turned 28 so i feel like i'm officially out of the like <laughs> young like you know i don't really understand music very much anymore there, but, there's your next song what are the kids into <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> 28 and old that's another one right i wrote one called where where are all the men because and i got it. it was funny because the idea was i'm, I'm coming out of the kroger i'm going into kroger and there's this guy and i don't know how old he was to me he was a kid i'm 45 years old so he's walking yeah. in and he's got his 
shirt. He's got his khaki shorts and his Birkin dots, whatever they call those, the kind of flip flops, and he's vaping. And I'm like, where are all the men? And so, so the first line of my song is John Wayne never wore skinny jeans. <laughs> and then I just went from there. That's hysterical. <laughs> what are three things on your bucket list? Oh, three things on my bucket list. Um, wow. I want to live in New York city. Um, I would um, love to play the grand old Opry and um third win a grammy okay those are the my i know that's not really bucket list but that's like i would hope to do those things before i kick the bucket no that's completely bucket list i the last time we went to new york and i've told this a couple times because it's it's a funny story to me is my my wife's father lives in maine and so Mm -hmm. we drove up to see him and we're coming back home so we drove through new york i didn't go through new york city there was no way in hell i was driving to new york city so we came through new york and we had to stop to get gas and there's this couple and he's trying to change his tire. And my wife says, go help him. I said, do we have time? <laughs> she goes, yeah. So I went over there and I helped him. And he goes, he said, you must be from the South. And I'm like, how could you tell? He said, well, first your accent, obviously. <laughs> he says, but you're the only person that come to help me. Yeah. Yeah. New York's a tough town, man. It's, you know, <laughs> the East Coast, it's something I miss. Boston, Philadelphia, New York, they've got some heavy grit. But at least, you know what? The one thing I will say about those towns is they're honest. <laughs> They'll tell you straight up, you know? Yep. Even when you don't want to, you don't even know about it. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got a couple more questions for you. Then I'll let you go. Sure. You're over there sweating. It's like, oh, what are these? It's no, all, no, so, no. Will of choice. Not. I call it the will of death. No, I think it's cool. Do-do-do. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, you're the artist often sing your songs, but if you didn't sing them, who would you want to sing your songs? Um, if I didn't, who would I want to sing my songs? Yeah, or if you um, want to give a song of yours or somebody that besides yourself, because I know songwriters write that sometimes you don't sing them, but who would you want to sing your songs? Uh, I think um, my gut says Old Dominion because I'm just such a big fan of theirs. Um, but I think like really, I think having like somebody like um, like George Strait record a song would be crazy. Yes. So, so those are my, that's a two tiered option, but you know. <laughs> Two-tiered answer, I mean. Now, normally I always ask the last question is best advice, but you've already kind of given me that you got from that producer, so that was cool. So you get a different end of the end of the song quick. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, hit me with it. Let's see what the will of death has to say. What's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? Hey, these are like not easy <laughs> off the top of the head. I was going to say cow tongue, but that's not really that weird. That's pretty weird. My wife likes that, but that's, that's kind of weird. Yeah, it's good. Cow tongue. Let's go with that. Okay. I know um, when I met my wife, my, my mom, when she was alive, I love peanut butter. That's just kind of what I grew up on when, no, when, when I was a senior in high school, my mom was so pissed off at my dad. She stopped cooking. So I had to eat sandwiches. So I ate peanut butter and jelly a lot. That was just kind of my sandwiches. And I remember taking spam and eating peanut butter. But not cook spam. It's got to be the raw spam, and you just don't make it a face. <laughs> <laughs> and, but you had to wipe the jelly and stuff off. So that's kind of the grossest and weirdest thing that I've ever eaten. Wow, that is like that's <laughs> rough, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you do what you do, and it actually is not bad. I'll, I'll put peanut butter on anything. I have a I have a theory that I tell my wife: if you like put two things together, if you like both of them, they're going to taste good together. She goes, peanut "No, it's not." Pickles? Do you like both? Do you like them both? No, have you had them together? I don't like pickles. Oh, okay. Peanut butter and banana. Yeah, because peanut I butter love, and pickle is a weird one that everybody does. That's like I, good. I, I eat peanut butter banana sandwiches like all the time. Me and Elvis yeah, right great. there. That's real with mayonnaise. It's really, really good. With mayonnaise? With mayonnaise. Really, it's really good. Man, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to get I don't want to get lunch with you. <laughs> <laughs> I told my wife I'm gonna start a, a sandwich shop with the weirdest sandwiches in the world. Just come eat from the yeah. weird sandwiches. Peanut butter and banana and peanut butter and spam and uh i've ate peanut butter and roast so right now it's just peanut butter and stuff on it but that's kind of my mixture yeah, yeah. i had well, a hey man if you ever if you ever come to nashville uh please hit me up uh, i'd love to have you up to a show or something uh and uh you know i'm always doing shows at listening room and things like that uh so absolutely so spot on the guest list for you i i will definitely do it i'm in nashville a couple times i'm coming um i think the next time i'm supposed to come up there uh, i'm going to athens in october uh, I was just there doing a show 
couple months ago. But I'll definitely keep you in mind. I'll reach out to you. Cool, man. Awesome. So before I let you go, Jacob, tell everybody one more time where they can find you. You can find me at Jacob Rice Music on all the socials and jacobricemusic.com, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, all that stuff. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me, man. It was a pleasure. Uh, and uh, I'm very honored to uh, be on today. Thank, Thank you, you, Jacob. And I asked two things on my guest. One is, of course, share it with everybody. Two is pay it forward. So all these singer-songwriters, artists you know, uh, we should hear, send them my way. It'd be just like what we did. We'll have a conversation. We'll talk. Uh, and that's it. Great. Yeah, I got some people in mind already. Perfect. Send them my way. Thank All you, right. Jacob. Thank you so much, Jesse. Right, everybody, this is Georgia Songbirds, and that was Jacob Rice. See ya. Bye.